Hello. <laughs> oh, I've not decided a way to uh, start these things. I don't have a proper intro or anything. So <laughs> hello will do. I've realised that. I need to stop saying good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whatever team that, time that I'm uh, recording at, because it all matters about when you fucking listen. So I've got to broaden it with just hello. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be a complete ripoff from one of my favourite podcasts around the NFL, where they go around one of the NFL's divisions, either the AFC or NFC, with an allocated time slot. So we're going to spend 40 minutes going around the Premier League. We're going to go two minutes with each team. So the pod should come in at around 40 to 50 minutes. Um, I don't know what the fairest way to do it. I don't want to go top to bottom, maybe alphabetical. Uh, I've not really prepared any notes. If you've listened to the other two, you should know that I'm not really all that prepared. It's all just off the noggin. and I'm actually recording this as we've got an international break. Um, at the moment, I could be watching Wales Belgium, but I'm not. So at half half eight on a Thursday evening, I thought, why not? Let's play, record, and uh, let's just get into it. So uh, you'll hear classic iPhone timer noise at the end of each two minutes. So let's start with Arsenal. So yeah, obviously Arsenal top in the table. Um, six wins from the first seven. Scored uh, more goals, by the way, be City and Tottenham so far this season. Um, but I think for me, it's the real, it's a real control about them. Um, they're dominating games with how Mikel Arteta's got them set up, uh, and they've got a real structure and solidity into them now with um, Saliba at the back. And uh, I mean, Jack has been well improved. He's, he's given a real impact in that central midfield position. I mean, in their last game, the Thomas Party, who I actually don't really want to talk about, <laughs> don't think he deserves much, but he's uh, he's playing well. Fabio Vieira came in for uh, Martin Erdegaard, scored a great goal, a very good performance. So they've got strength and depth as well, which I think is probably key for Arsenal for the first time in a long time. Um, they've been without Sinchenko for a few games now. They've had a period without Thomas Partey. They missed Erdegaard the last game. And they're coping with it. I mean, it's the same with Tommy Asu. I think he would be Arsenal's uh, starting right back going into the season. But we see Ben White sort of holding his own in that right back role. Um, there's a couple of players you want to see do a little bit more. I want to see a bit more from um, from Saka out wide. I think in the delivery um, delivery pos- position and really getting uh, getting involved with the, with the fun and fun and games in and around the box. I know he has four assists, but you know I feel that's a bit padded. I think I'd be very happy with their season. Um, I think if we're going to grade them, it's got to be, it's got to be an A. Oh, and there we go. There's the timer. Let's uh, stop that one and repeat into Aston Villa. It's been a weird one for Aston Villa. I don't think anyone would have seen them being so poor uh, at the start of the season. I mean, they obviously lost Diogo Carlos um, to that ACL injury, I believe. Uh, is it ACL or Achilles? Not sure. Don't have the time to even check this thing. Um, but they've they've come back into it the last couple of games. Had I recorded this a couple of weeks ago, it'd have been a lot more negative. They had a big draw against Man City and a massive win. Um, weekend just gone against uh, Southampton. I say weekend. It was a Friday night game. It wasn't uh. Wasn't one for for the neutral, I don't think, from what I heard. Um, Jacob Ramsey uh, scoring the opener. Um, I think I think Gerard has admitted that he's probably tried to go too far too quickly um, with this team, with this squad, with this set of players, and probably needs to dial it back to that more of a grindy style. Um, don't play like an elite before you're elite. I guess would be the uh, the main attitude. Um, but they've been really, 
just generally very poor. I've been impressed with Bubakar Kamara. I think um, ma- managing to get him on a free was a really good bit of business. Um, the lack of goals is interesting. I feel like they don't really know how they're going to score goals and how they're going to win games. And maybe that will come. That will be tweaked over the international break. Um, Gerard will have a bit more time to work with his players. So try and work something out. But you could tell he wanted to squeeze Coutinho in and he's been disappointing since sort of March, we'll say. I don't think Danny Ings has kind of been a return on investment. Um, I do think we'll see a better Villa side. I don't expect to see them dragged into it. But they'll have wanted to have done much better from their first seven games. And on cue. There we go. Let's uh, give that a stop and move on to Bournemouth down the south coast. So Bournemouth, uh, obviously, were they the first team to sack their manager? I feel like they were. Was that the first managerial change? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I can't think of another one, but I feel like it was. Obviously, Scott Parker's gone. He hated the squad that he'd built. Um, wanted to spend more money. And as I record, it seems like Gary O'Neill's going to get the care... Uh, who's in the caretaker role, move into that on a permanent basis. I kind of never like that. I don't think he's really qualified for it. Sure, he may be coaching. He's had a couple of results, but how often have we seen caretaker managers sort of take a, almost take advantage of a bit of a more positive atmosphere, going back to the basics? But long-term, he never really dealt, goes into anything. I mean, for Bournemouth, Premier League safety would be a godsend. Um, they'd be over the moon with that. And to be sort of mid-table at the moment with eight points, I mean, they're, they're, they're a bit in your hand off. Especially it was looking awful at one point when, obviously they lost to City 4-0, Arsenal um, 3-0, and obviously the 9-0 was the, was the nail in the coffin for old, uh, old Scotty P. Um, down at Dean Court or the Vitality Stadium. God, I showed my age there. I don't think the squad's very good, um, but they've shown the ability to grind out results if and if and when needed. They've got a couple of players you could see staying in the Premier League if if they are to go down. Um, Lloyd Kelly, Philip Bing- Billing, um, Tom Solanke. You you got to back them three in particular. There'd be good big money draws for uh, for Bournemouth with relegation. Um, there also a lot of talk about, ah, oh, there we go, the first one where I've bloody missed the timer. Uh, just to finish that point, uh, obviously there could be new change of ownership by the, uh, by the end of the season. So we're going from the south coast to the west side of London. Brentford. I mean, I don't think their season could have started much better, could it? When you see, um, when you see that they had uh, Manchester United, Leicester uh, in the first two uh, two games, they got three points and obviously battered Man United that first game of the season. It was quite embarrassing for them. But they had a had a win against Leeds. I feel like they'd have looking at their fixture list especially after the win against uh, Man United and the draw at Leicester I'm wondering whether they should have more points um, I think they drew it drew home to Everton um, drew at Crystal Palace which you know that's a tough game but it's an opportunity there for for three points and I think they edged proceedings there a little bit Um Especially when they uh, did ring the changes after the Palace goal. I think they um, obviously earned the winner, winner late into that game. In, but in general, I don't think they've got many complaints. Obviously, Ivan Tony's now in the England squad. I'm recording this before the England game, so we don't know whether he'll get his um, debut or not. I think he's deserving of that spot. Dominic... Uh, Calvert-Lewin's injury problems kind of opened up that third striker spot behind Harry Kane and Tammy Abraham. And I think even with Calvert-Lewin fully fit, I'm probably still backing Ivan Tony there. I think he's a proper old-school number nine. He can score goals, can play with his back to goal. 
can bring others into play. Um, yeah, and I think Brentford would be satisfied. There's always the fear of that second season syndrome um, bedding in, but yeah, just two losses from their first seven. Um, I think they'll be happy. I think they'll be happy. There we are, another clock. Another timer done. Cool, we move next to Brighton and Hove Albion, um, who are a bit of an unknown as we record. Graham Potter joined, um, made his way to London to replace Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea. And they'd had an excellent start of the season, had Brighton, their only loss coming at Craven Cottage against Fulham, which is somewhat of a surprise as well. Um, and they only dropped points at home to Newcastle as well, a game that they were fully deserving of all three. Um, if you haven't seen the highlights from that, it was a Nick Pope masterclass. Um, but they'll be very happy with their season. But it's, it's weird to see an unknown they've brought in. Um, let's see if I can pronounce this properly. Roberto De Zerbi. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to just read it as it is, <laughs> as it's spelt. Uh, former Shakhtar Donetsk and uh, Sassuolo manager. I think he's probably most well known from Sassuolo. Um, I think he, he got Sassuolo into the top half, way into the top half the of Serie A. Um, top eight, I believe, for, for both of them. He plays a lot of attacking football, so we've heard. So from that perspective, Aston, uh, Aston Villa, bloody hell, Brighton should be good to watch. Um I mean, his his first game comes at Anfield on uh, the October Saturday, the October first. So, good luck to him. Good luck to him. It's always, uh, it's always. You never know. You never know what's actually going to happen when a team changes their manager. Sometimes there's a bounce. Sometimes they go up to that next level. Sometimes it goes all tits up. Uh, we've not seen too many managers come from Serie A and settle into English uh, English football I guess that's my one question mark I can't think of too many that have settled and really knocked on but they'll be happy with their season I know you heard the timer but I just wanted to chuck that in obviously Brian would be very happy moving on to Chelsea um, which is quite nice that the alphabetical order has done it that way their new manager Graham Potter had a very good start to the season at Brighton. just listen back to the last two minutes um, but yeah, they were below par start of this season. They were controlling, but um, lacked a bit of intensity. They were slow, a bit pedestrian. And I think uh, Graham Potter really bringing in them patterns of play, um, good quality attacking football, um, and having that bit of a break actually between the Salzburg game um, I think last week and uh, I think it's Crystal Palace. They play this the next game week in the Premier League um, will be beneficial. But uh, will it be? Will it be? I say that. There are... They'll obviously have a lot of people, players off with uh, international international duty. But, you know, at the very least, it gives Potter the time to settle into his new surroundings, <laughs> get settled into the office, work with more of the, the wider squads, uh, see what he can do with them there. I think it's goals Chelsea will want. They need to score more goals. Um, I mean, their their win at Everton was only by one. They beat Leicester 2-1. They beat West Ham 2-1. But, I mean, they've not scored more than two goals this, this season. And might wonder, might wonder why, really. Um, they obviously had a much prolonged saga for a striker. But you still think with Raheem Sterling... Kai Havertz, uh, Armando Broja, Mason Mount, Rhys James, Ben Chilwell. These are good quality attacking players. So they've got the pieces there. I'm just excited to see how Graham Potter can bring it all together. Tie it into that nice little bow that he did at Brighton. Oh, the timer is going. So moving on to South East London. Crystal Palace. Uh, had a... Kind of an under-the-radar start to the season, really, in that no one's talking about it. 
they seem to be the forgotten uh, forgotten club of uh, the Premier League as it stands. Um, they are one of the teams that have played one fewer than everyone else with the postponements following the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, but draws, draws are killing them. Draws are killing them. But they have had to play Man City and Arsenal and Liverpool in their first six. So it is only losing two of their first six actually a good thing and they'll kick on once they start playing more of the teams in and around them, building that confidence. Uh, they didn't add too much to their squad this season. Obviously, they had a big investment last year. Really backed Patrick Vieira. Got some real quality signings in. I think Joachim, uh, Joachim Anderson is playing at a level that might see him leave Crystal Palace at the end of the season. He was excellent on loan at Fulham um, two years back. Had a very solid debut campaign at Crystal Palace. But this season, he seems to have gone up that level. He's been an absolute monster this first um, this first few games. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing European football in uh, in England's next season. Uh, but Sheikh Dukoure has been one of the, was probably their one big money big money signing. He's coming into that midfield to help free up the likes of um, Berrieze. Zaha to focus on more of their attacking play. Um, but yeah, it should, should be much of the same. I think if Palace get a mid-table finish, they'll be quite happy with that because I think the classic saying is if you're uh, if you're not getting better, everybody else is, so you're getting worse. Oh, now timer did go off, but no notification. Good old Apple. Can't wait to sad my phone contract end and finish with this shit company. They don't sponsor the podcast, believe it or not. Moving on to Merseyside, uh, the Premier League's draw specialists. I was going to say that, but I think actually Newcastle have had more. But Everton's ability to to grind out games and points at the moment have been probably their one their one positive. What I am nervous for them about is that they've not actually had a difficult start to the season fixture wise. They played Forest at home gone to Brentford, gone to Leeds. Okay, they hosted uh, Liverpool, hosted West Ham. They've been to Aston Villa. So in their first seven games, they've played, what, one of the top six? Am I missing one? I don't think I am. Am I missing one? Uh, oh, they lost to Chelsea opening day of the season. Okay, fair enough. But still, to only be getting... Four points out of games against uh, that four-game stretch against Forest and Everton, uh, against Brentford, Leeds and Liverpool, I think would disappoint them. Um, sure, you're not giving as up as many points to the teams that might be in and around you, but you need threes. You need three points in these uh, in this division. But I guess they've kept the goal difference down. They have gotten points. They've managed to avoid being in the battle and being a chaser. And I know it's still so early in the division, but I think mentally to be looking, uh, to not have to be looking so far down, so far over, I'll be looking, start getting daunted by the by the fixture list, going, oh, where are we going to get three points from? We need three points. I guess that's a positive. See, Frank Lampard's team's been dire to watch, though. They might be the worst teams watching the division. And that's not a bad thing. They're getting points, right? They're 13th in the table, but it's not going to be a pretty watch. There we go. Ah, oh, it's bloody phone. You say stop, and it takes you on to something else. So excuse me, I'm just going to have a little sip of a cup of tea. Where are we? I don't even know where we are in the table now. How many teams are in the division? <laughs> Obviously it's 20, but how many have I got? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9th ninth team in the division. So I hope you're ready. Moving down to Craven Cottage from Merseyside. I mean, Fulham would be over the moon with their start of the season. They've had some difficult fixtures. Um, they've had to play Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham. Um... Been three of the 
three of the stronger teams in the division. Obviously, Liverpool haven't actually had that strong a start. Um, especially on opening day, that was still an unknown. That was still a very eye-catching result. I think for Fulham to get wins at home to Brentford and Brighton were massive. That is still the only team to beat Brighton so far this season. And to go to Nottingham Forest and get a win after being 1-0 down at half-time shows great resilience. This is a different Fulham team to the ones that have been in the league previously. They're here to stay. I don't see them going down. I think they're going to be very comfortable. Um, I just think they're, they're, they're there to grind it out. They look like a team that is there to fight. They're difficult to play against. They've got goals. Um, they're two. Is it two? Two of their three wins have been 3-2, so they, they can concede goals and still win games. They've had just the one clean sheet. They'll want to tighten that up as the season goes ahead. You can't always rely on your ability to score goals. But I think overall, they'll be so, so happy. Marcus Silva's done a great job assembling that squad. Uh, I mean, Xiao Paulini is looking like absolute still £20 million. He's had most tackles in the Premier League, most pressures. He's scored in two of the wins. He's just been an absolute game changer in that defensive midfield role. And I think Fulham are going to be well happy. I think up there with Arsenal and some other teams we'll talk about later as being happiest with their starts. I shouldn't have drunken tea with this. Drunk tea? Drunken tea? It's like clogging up my throat. It's like drying me out a bit. He's had a shocker. Sub him off ref. This is where I need a partner on some of these pods. Just to take the pressure away from the voice a little bit. So we move on to Leeds who have had the exact definition of a uh, neutral start to the season. Two wins, two draws, two losses, uh, a 10 goal score, <laughs> 10 goals against. Um, so yeah, it's been, a, it's been a weird one. Obviously it's a different... Different team for Jesse Marsh. Um, they put a lot of money into that squad with Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson, kind of tried to move from Bielsa's image into that Jesse Marsh sort of high-pressure style. I mean, they're both high-pressure, but it's slightly different tweaks on each other. Um, but I mean, Brendan Aronson's had a very good start to the season as has Tyler Adams. They've not really looked like they've missed Rafinha at this point. Um, I do worry about their goals. Patrick Bamford can't stay fit. Rodrigo had a nice spurt, but last I heard he was injured. Uh, hasn't scored for a couple of games either. So, will do they have enough goals in the tank to get enough points to sort of push that top half of the table? I think they'll be fine. But I think they'll be uh, they'll already be scouting strikers for for next summer to uh, to add to this squad. Um, but I think they'll be they'll be okay with their start to the season. They've uh, had a good win against Wolves, good win against Chelsea. They were really happy with that one. Um, the last three would have been disappointing though. And they'll want to see them really kick on after the international break. They lost to Brighton. They lost to Brentford. And they drew at home to Everton. That's that's not ideal. But I think Ellen Road would be enough fortress enough. And I think they've got enough quality in that squad uh, to sort of be comfortable this season. Oh, on to, I think, probably the shock team in the Premier League. Leicester City. Seven games gone, still without a win. One point, goal difference of minus 12, which funnily still isn't even the worst in the division thanks to Bournemouth battering by, uh, by Liverpool and then some. Um, I don't even know how to, how to discuss, discuss what's happening there. Because quite frankly, I don't really know. I'm not the biggest fan of Brendan Rodgers, but... I don't think I don't think I can look at him and be like that's the sole reason. I feel like their squad's in a bizarre spot. I mean they shouldn't be. Danny Ward doesn't look capable of being a Premier League goalkeeper. 
doesn't look capable of being a championship goalkeeper. I'm not even sure what's happening with him. Uh, but in their last in their last game, they gave their debut to Wout Faze, conceding six at Tottenham. I think it's more the lateness of how they capitulated. Like Song coming off the bench and scoring a hat trick. It's just like Jesus Christ, what are we doing? How are we so fragile? And I think that's the main. I think that's probably the best way of describing Leicester. They're just fragile. They've kind of lost a steeliness about them. Because they're scoring goals. They're scoring goals. They've scored what, 10. That's the same as Leeds as we just we just spoke about. They've scored more goals than Chelsea, Palace, Everton, Bournemouth, Villa. But they've got no got no steeliness about them. Maybe Wild Faze is the guy who can bring that sort of structure to them they're lacking in confidence do I think they'll go go down I'd be very surprised but I wouldn't have seen them winning the title either stranger things have happened unless they're the biggest picture of that now moving on to Liverpool Jesus Christ they had a poor start to the season um, so they drew a Fulham drew it home to uh, Palace, lost at Man United, and it was that loss where you kind of sat there thinking, huh, huh, is the Klopp era over? Now, that's an extreme, extreme, extreme opinion, but I think you'd be foolish to, to think no one had that going through their head at one point. Now, then they battered Bournemouth at home, which I think was a kind of game with, emphaticness they needed they nicked one against Newcastle which you know it is what it is I won't get into all that um the draw at Everton I think was disappointing as again just because it's like we're better than this we should be better than this and I think it's a case of um we mentioned about Crystal Palace like if you're not getting stronger if you're not getting better everyone else is therefore you're getting worse and it's kind of been that vibe. They didn't really strengthen the squad. Um, I think they needed the the energy from a Fabio Carvalho at times, from a Harvey Elliott at times, to two signings out of the Fulham Academy. Um, obviously, Nunes' suspension sort of lost that that, that spark, I guess, of a, something fresh, something new. So he's not really quite bedded in how, how you'd like. But it's the same players. It's the same players, and it's just lacking that freshness. They lost Mane. Um, they lost Mane, and it just doesn't just doesn't feel the same. Salah doesn't feel scary. Van Dyke doesn't feel scary. Even though they went and battered Bournemouth, I do think we'll see them get get better. Um, I don't think we can blame the blame the injuries with them. Um, I'm just going to carry on for a bit because I think it's a really interesting topic they come back from the internationals and play Brighton at home obviously as just mentioned Brighton are a bit of an unknown at this point um got Rangers in the Champions League uh sandwiching Arsenal away and then the second game against Rangers before go, uh hosting Man City and then West Ham and I think that's going to be a really interesting run of fixtures for them that could define their season. I know it's early, but to balance the Champions League and these massive Premier League matches could really see where they're going to go. I don't see them sacking Klopp or any of that nonsense, but who knows? Who knows? Time will tell. We'll move into it. But I think giving more game time to the likes of Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho and sort of injecting that bit of newness into the squad is a big thing. move on to uh, Man City obviously they've been the uh, I was going to say they've been the gold standard but Arsenal do have more points but City's destruction has been scary it's been seriously scary they scored most goals by uh, by six and that's with a team in this division that scored nine in a game it's, it's freaky Erling Haaland is a robot, <laughs> to put it basically. Uh, De Bruyne has long been one of the 
technically best midfielders in the Premier League saying but adding Erling Haaland has really been that je ne sais quoi on top of everything and it's frightening it's it's, it's frightening his the rate he's scoring at is stupid um but they have drawn drawn two matches they drew at Newcastle in that crazy game they did draw at Aston Villa where they managed to nick one so they've shown that they are they are gettable it'll be interesting to see how they keep up this pace as the Champions League fixtures start coming in and they have to start managing Champions League fixtures with the Premier League games maybe Haaland needs a break every now and again can they manage it on all four fronts again time will tell I think they'll be fine I think Pep's done this a million times I think City as a club have done it a million times Champions League's obviously the one they want but I think they'd also love to be the team that can say they've won both the Premier League and the Champions League in the same season but Haaland's been seriously impressive um, but I'm interested to see when they start rotating their squad a bit more throughout the course of the season where they can really go and show their strength and depth On the red side of Manchester, um, United season looked like it was back to back to all the previous. Oh, Glazers out. United are shit again. Don't like it here. Sack everyone. Sack the board. Sell the club. Appoint all new sporting directors and all that sort of shit. Turns out it was just a <laughs> just a sort of welcome to the Premier League start for Eric Ten Hag at home to Brighton and his massacre at Brentford have been followed up with four straight wins including games against Liverpool uh, and they've had to grind out a couple of away games in there but they've beaten Liverpool and they've beaten Arsenal now Arsenal previously unbeaten so that's encouraging I think for the United fans to see the change obviously brought Malaysia in as they're starting left back after dealing with starting the season with Luke Shaw. Um, Martinez is now sort of seems to be settling in a little bit. I'm interested to see when he does have to come up against the likes of Mitrovic and those more physical forwards again. But McTominay's been very good. Um, they've kind of settled into this 4 3 3, 4 2 3 1 with Ericsson as sort of a deeper eight. Bruno Fernandez pushing up with. Rashford, Anthony and Sancho. Um, so yeah, they look solid right now. I, I don't think they're... I'm not going to sit here and talk about them pushing for the title. I think they should be happy if they can win an FA Cup with a League Cup um, and get back into Champions League football. I think that's kind of their, their ceiling at the moment. But I think if we see that ceiling, it gives you a lot to build on for Eric Ten Hag with all these young players and another window to then retool. God, where are we? Bloody hell. Why do I do this to myself? My throat is killing me. Although maybe I shouldn't talk from my phone. Anyway, Newcastle. The Draw Kings. I think I said Everton were, but bloody Newcastle. Seven games played. Five draws, one win, one loss. Such an odd, odd, odd start to the season for them. Um, their, their one loss being at Liverpool, that last kick of the game, they'll count themselves unlucky, but their one win being on the opening day. It's funny because they're another team that, I mean, they've only scored more than one goal twice this season, one of which being against Man City, which is crazy. It's... It, like you can't score can't score twice at Wolves but you can score three times at home to City uh, you can't score at home against Palace but you, but you can uh, but yeah you can score two against Nottingham Forest it's 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 odd I think now that they have sort of Alexander Isaac bedding in he has two goals from his first three games uh, you should hopefully see a little bit more from them um, I want to see a bit more from Bruno Guimaraes in the final third. Um, and I mean, getting in the end of 
end of moves, putting that finishing touch on it. Um, because I think I think he's a top top player, and I know he's he should be more reserved than maybe a Joe Linton in that midfield, but I do want to see him push in and around that box. I think he's got the ability, and I think that's what you want to see him doing. And it'll be interesting to see how Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe, realised I went a bit into me, uh, into me local. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll sort of continue to to piece this together. Sven Botman's obviously now in the 11. Um, with Dan Byrne sort of floating around. Is he is he going to be that big marauding left back that he was at, was at Brighton? Could have spoken more about Castle, but alas, let's respect, let's respect the timer. Forest, forest, forest. Jesus Christ. I mean, they've got four losses in a row, which will, which will hurt, which will hurt. I mean, one loss, one draw, one win from their first three, you'd be thinking, oh, happy days. It's not too bad, this Premier League luck. Now, four, four in a row. Home to Spurs at City, which, you know what? Fair enough. I think when you're a team that's wanting to stay up, your se- your season's not devi- defined by matches against the top big six, the so-called big six. But to crumble from a winning position at home, not once, twice, and not against just one team you were promoted against, uh, or promoted with in Bournemouth, but against Fulham as well before the international break. That will suck. That will fucking kill you for... Um, Steve Cooper. Now, he's got an international break to work with his squad. My God, do they need it. I think Nico Williams has been their best player. Lewis O'Brien's been bright. Moussa Niakate, before his injury, looked like he was going to be a, a bit of a rock at the back for him. But they've looked like a championship team that's disjointed playing in the Premier League. And until that changes, like we can do nothing but etch them in as one of the teams to go down. They need to be better. They need to be stronger. And they need they need the city ground to be a fortress. They can't just be crumbling like this at home in games like that. It's embarrassing. And it looked like for a moment when they beat West Ham that, oh, hang on. Yeah, maybe they can nick, nick some points at home. They can't crumble like they have done against Bournemouth and Fulham. They need to be better. And it's a tough job for Steve Cooper to bring so much new and make it perform like everyone else it's a really tough job be interesting to see whether they regret it moving into the as the season goes on i know they needed to get certain certain volume going let's stop that timer they need to get certain volume of player but that money really that many you couldn't have just got you know 10 decent players and had like a maybe a weaker strength and depth. You just had to get a shitload of shit. Anyway, that's a, that's a podcast on its own at some point. Uh, moving back down to the south coast, Southampton, who have been a weird team. I think they've got they've done well considering their young squad. Um, I mean, wins against the win against Chelsea is probably a highlight of the season. Uh, they have lost three of their last four. Which I think will, which will be painful. Two away games by just just a goal to nil. Even their loss against United by just one. I mean that'll come with experience. You hope they do have one of the youngest squads in the division. Um, but Armel Belakochap, oh my goodness, what a talent he looks! He's been named in the Germany squad now for this upcoming international break. Um, whether he's whether he's going to play or not would be another thing. Um, but he's been he's been superb. He looks like a defender who loves defending. He's got everything to be a modern day centre half. But like he's only twenty years old. You know, Romeo Lavia is eighteen. But even their old even their experienced heads aren't that old. Che Adams is twenty six, Ruben Peters is twenty five. Rebo's their new signings, one of their older players at 26. It's insane. It's a big job for Ralph Hassan Hootal. If he can keep them up and sort of keep building this this young team, 
Who knows where they can go? But I think they'll be satisfied with their start to the season. It's been nothing exciting. Um, but I think they can be excited by by the youth they have at their disposal. Um, I mean, seven points is solid. It's the same as Everton. Um, so they've done. They're in that sort of Palace range, Everton range, Newcastle range, where you think, yeah, they could have done better, but it's not bad. It's not disastrous. If you're grading it, you'd probably give them a solid sort of C. Oh God, I've lost my timer. Moving on to Antonio Conte's Tottenham side. Um, you know what? They're third. They've not lost yet this season. Only them and Man City are yet to lose. I think their last couple of games have not looked as impressive. I mean, at Leicester, again, they conceded twice. Fulham had the potential to, to beat them in the game previous to that. Um, they looked a little ropey at West Ham. Against Wolves, that I think Wolves were unlucky not to get a result at at Spurs. Um, they had that very controversial goal at Chelsea. Like they're they're getting results, but it's kind of with a little bit of extracts, if you ask me. Um, the atmosphere is obviously probably quite strong for Spurs fans. Um, Harry Kane's. Scoring goals, Son's back amongst the goals with his quick hat trick against um against Leicester. Um, they've got a bit of a structure behind them. Um, trying to think like that midfield of Hoiberg and uh, Bentoncourt is really coming together. But I think Spurs would have also wanted to have done a bit better in the Champions League. We're only two games in. So, let's calm down. Let's calm down, Frankie. Let's chill out a little bit. Um, but their loss at Sporting would have stung. Their Marseille win comes with a little bit of... Yeah, they did go down to 10 men, though, and fairly early on. So, you know, you should have won that one. Um, they do have an easy group, so you should see them go to the knockout stages. But again, they're another side that I'm interested in seeing as the fixtures start to build up and they've got to manage the Premier League with more important Champions League fixtures. I think Richarlison's really settled in well there as the timer starts to go off. Two teams left. We're nearly there, guys. Premier League in 40 minutes. So with West Ham, I mean, they've been below, way, way, way below par. Five losses from their first seven. They don't really look like they know how to score a goal or where their goals are going to come from. Um, they were unlucky against Chelsea, but, you know, you can't just, you can't have, the start of the season's been unacceptable by their new standards. Um, I think where you previously may have thought of where West Ham are, like, let's say a decade ago, just, ballpark figure you'd be like oh, okay okay yeah then maybe they'll come back and sort of finish like lower mid table but West Ham should be better than lower mid table they've invested a lot of money into this squad maybe it's a case of waiting for Lucas Paqueta and Gianluca Scamacca to sort of settle in alongside sort of Maxwell Corne I mean they've added to the squad it's not a case like the others where other teams have just gotten stronger West Ham have invested and they've not gotten better so far this season. Um, does look like they'll go through to the next stage in the in the Conference League. But again, it's you know it's, it's the Conference League, so I don't want to disrespect it. But it's not the it's not Europa League. It is that lower level of European competition. Um, and I'm sure you know I'd love to see my team in European competition, but. You know, if West Ham finish sort of 15th and get to the knockouts of the, Euro uh, of the Europa Conference League, I don't think that's a successful season. I think they need to be pushing that sort of top eight, top eight range uh, and competing in Europe, competing in the Cups. So I think they need to be much improved. They've been one of my disappointments of the season. They're up there with Leicester, if I'm honest. Oh, there we are, saved by the timer. God, here we are. 
the last team in the Premier League alphabetically. Let's uh, press start. Let's get to it. I mean, Wolves. Wolves, Wolves, Wolves. What are we going to do with you, eh? I think they've been one of the more impressive teams on the eye in the Premier League. They play some really pretty football. They're really strong when they do have possession. Um, they've got good structure to their defence. They're just missing that cutting edge. And I think that's going to be the story of their season. They're going to hope that Diego Costa can can come back into the Premier League like he did for Chelsea. Because if he does, they're going to rock it up the table. They've got everything else. They've got they've got really lovely sort of possession play. Their patterns in play and attack are are really strong. Uh, they create a load of chances. They just can't seem to put them away. But I'm really excited by what I see for Bruno Large's team. I just hope they don't do anything silly. I don't want them to sack him because of current results when I feel like it's all there on paper. It's all there. It's, you can see it coming together. It's just not as... It's just that cutting edge. They need to score goals. They need to find that sort of killer instinct into their sides. They scored just three goals as I talk at the moment. Two of them from Daniel Podence. I mean, one from Ruben Neves, which was a stunner. But um, only uh, only West Ham have scored sort of three goals with them. Even Everton, who have a strong defensive setup, they're not looking to <laughs> to sort of fly forward and bomb up, up in attack. Bournemouth as well, a defensive setup side, have scored more. Wolves just need to get more out of out of their players. Even if they find one player to score goals, it's not enough. It's not enough. Your wingers have got to chip in. So I'm looking to see a bit more from the likes of Neto, from Podence, uh, from Guedes as he settles. And there we go. That is the timer. That was a quick run through of the Premier League in 40 minutes. During this international break, um, I hope that gave you a good little overview of every side. I think maybe two minutes is too few. Um, in future, it might be good to to share the workload with someone else. I've sort of done this all off the top of my head. And as you're talking, as you may have heard in little breaks, <laughs> I need to take a sip every now and again. I mean, let's take one now. Jesus Christ. You know, I think it's been a really exciting start to the Premier League season. We've had the unexpected. Um, like the bottom three isn't just the three promoted sides. We've got West Ham down there, Forrester down there, Leicester down there. Uh, up in the top four, you've got Brighton there. I, I think Arsenal, we would have expected Arsenal to be better, but this much better. No, I think it's going to be a really exciting Premier League season. Uh, and it's... I don't want to diss on uh, international football, but it's almost a shame that we lost it to uh, we lost it to the international game for this period and with the prolonged period after following the Queen Queen's passing. Um, but let's just run through, just going to see what happens in the international games whilst I was um, whilst I was talking. So Belgium Wales is two one. Kiefer Moore has scored following Brennan Johnson assist. Blimey, a Bournemouth and Forest connections. Something I love about just Wales in the in international football. Like Kiefer Moore scoring against Belgium. Who would have thought it? Uh, France leading 2-0 against Austria. Mbappe and Giroud. Ah, oh, Olivier Giroud, man. He's aging like a fine wine. He's been a player that sort of played his better, better football as he's, got, as he's gotten older. What a classy footballer, man. I feel like he's really underrated for the stuff he was doing at Arsenal at some point. Even his little Chelsea tenure, I thought it was a really reliable sort of second choice. Second choice forward, really. Um, Croatia beating Denmark. Borna Sosa, I believe it's Borna. Yeah, Borna Sosa with the goal. Really good attacking left back. Surprised no one picked him up this, uh, this summer from Stuttgart. Um, but I think with the future of attacking fullbacks, he really is it. Denmark, who's looking about for Denmark these days? I mean, we spoke about Anderson a bit there, Andreas Christensen, Mahler. Got a really decent squad, I think, Denmark. And that could be a problem. 
Netherlands will be in Poland 2 0. Cody Gakpo. Steve Berg. Why? We've got Vincent Janssen. Jesus, he's back in the Netherlands fold, is he? Are they struggling for strikers these days? Vincent Janssen. I think he's knocking about in Belgium after a few years in Mexico. Bloody hell. I mean, what a flop for Spurs that is. That's why you don't touch don't touch the Eredivisie, especially if it's on one season. Oh, that was a sucker. I was sure. He was one player I missed on. I was sure he was going to be good. Especially when you see his build. He's sort of got that squat six. Um, six foot sort of. Looks like a number nine. It plays his back to goal, but he never really seems to settle. Let's see what else is happening. Turkey losing to Luxembourg. Their football's a mess, man. I don't even know what's happening there. I think their league's a joke. They do come around with decent players every now and again. I don't know. Okunkochku is a really, really talented player. And Sengizunda, very highly rated at one point. Kagla Soyuncu was in the Premier League team of the year. I feel like people forget about that. He was incredible for Leicester at one point. Falling off a cliff. I don't know. Don't know what's happening in Leicester. They're losing to Luxembourg. Just let like, just like that sit Luxembourg. Blimey. Bloody hell. Not too much to note. So yeah, I guess we'll kind of wrap things up there. I don't think too much has happened in the news. And uh, trying to just keep speaking on this podcast but um still trying to find sort of how this will fit in and work how this will sound how i want it to feel so we're kind of getting there um hopefully you just enjoy the rides i enjoy doing it um and i don't want to get too down by like oh no not enough people are downloading not enough people are following my twitter page not enough people are listening because I need to keep seeing it as an activity I enjoy. If I keep enjoying it, then why not do it? But anyway, thank you. It's been another episode of uh, Slice of Olin. Orange podcast. Jesus Christ, my throat is destroyed. Another episode of Slice of Orange podcast. Orange is killing me. Oh, that word is... Yikes. Uh, I've been your host, Frankie Taylor. Thank you for downloading, for listening. If you give us a rate and review, much, much appreciated. It really does help. Uh, if you follow our Twitter page at, at SliceOrangePod, um, you'll be up to date with everything we're providing from a meme standpoint, all new episodes. Yeah, we just really appreciate it. It's just nice to know that people are there, you know. But anyway, thank you.